welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Paul, um, and I just want to welcome you again if you are watching on Zoom or YouTube. Um, with us live or watching later on or whether you're hearing from our podcast or from uh, our website we just want to say welcome again it's great to have you with us and we love having people around us and even in this time of lockdown and rules of six and everything's changing and goodness knows what else we just want to say again very warm welcome and we pray that you've been really blessed this morning uh, and uh, that you're able to join in with us in the various things that we're doing We've been working our way through a new series on Acts chapter 2 and we've already had, uh, actually starting Acts chapter 1 with ascension of Jesus and the promise of the Spirit and then we've looked at the actual outpouring of the Spirit and the disciples in the small room that they were in. Um, last week we were looking at that. And this week we're going to be looking at Peter's, uh, Peter's first great preach. Um, as he stands there in front of all the people, the people from all around the world have been gathering in Jerusalem and the disciples are speaking in tongues and there's a big furore uh, and all these people gather and the, uh, the disciples have been accused of being drunk uh, and Peter and the disciples step outside and Peter starts preaching. So let's look at his, what he actually says in Acts chapter 2 verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ears to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire and vaporous smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to just look at this passage of scripture for a while and hopefully get several points out of it which we'll be able to apply and later on, after, we've, after I've finished talking, we'll be able to worship. Uh, and what we want you to do is to really uh, receive the Spirit in your life, wherever you are right now. So as we're uh, going through this talk, please just start to think, how can this apply to me? How can I put that into my life? How can I uh, in, be um, empowered by the life of the Spirit? So my first point really is this, that when Peter stands up, he doesn't just simply say, hey guys, we've had a new experience uh, we don't know what it means, we have no idea where it's going, but actually it feels really good and we're going to enjoy it and whatever it is, we're going to just go with the flow. It doesn't do that at all. So what Peter does, he, first of all, he says, this is rooted in Scripture. His first words in the preach are, this is that which the prophet Joel, Joel had spoken. He'd already done his research. He already knew his Old Testament scriptures. And he's saying this experience that we've had that in the last few minutes, this 
outpouring of the Spirit, this speaking in tongues and languages that we didn't know, this is rooted into our scripture. We expected it to happen because we've read about it in the past. He's saying, basically, I'm not just going to go off into any different direction that feels good. I'm actually wanting to be rooted totally and utterly in what the scripture tells us. Now, sadly, in our day and age, because of all sorts of things, but the internet is one of the issues, there's lots and lots of experiences out there. In fact, you can have just about any experience you want, some you've not even thought about, some that you never expected, and out there there's a, an explanation for it of some sort, and uh, you can go along with that. And Christians, we, we fall into that trap too. We have an experience of something, perhaps even God himself, but we don't understand where it's come from. And what often happens is we try to shoehorn scripture into our experience and say, well, there's a little bit here and a little bit there. Let's put it together and make this experience valid. The Bible doesn't teach us to do that. The Bible says, uh, really, and here Peter's doing it, he's saying, actually check it out fully and totally with what the Bible actually says. We don't take the Bible and shoehorn it into our experience we take our experience and we measure it up against scripture and if it matches then we go with it and if it's not then we have to say hmm let's just let's just think about this let's be cautious whenever the bible says something's going to happen we want it in its fullness with everything that it comes that comes with it whenever my experience seems to outlive the bible or is beyond biblical terms, I have to be really, really, really cautious. Many Christians have tripped up because they've followed the experience and they've not linked it into Scripture. And then the experience finishes or changes and then they're left high and dry. Bible first, experience second. In fact, actually, Whenever you look at what Peter does in the book of Acts, whenever he's preaching, he always roots it back into Scripture. Whenever Paul's writing about all sorts of things uh, in his uh, letters, as you follow the letters, you'll always find he's rooting it back into Scripture. Now, the Scripture for them was the Old Testament. We have the New Testament as well. But for them, Paul was looking, always looking backwards. This is what it says. So if it says it, I expect it to happen, and this matches my experience, and therefore my experience is valid. Please, brothers and sisters, let's not be drawn into experience for the sake of experience. My emotions, my, my, my thought life, my habits and everything else, they, they need to be drawn into line with what the Bible teaches, not the other way around. Whenever I have to drag the scripture into my experience, we need to be aware. That's my first point. Have a think about the experiences you have. The experience of God that you have. Think about the times when God's touched you in different ways. Does it match with what the Bible's teaching? If it does, go for it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body. Go for it. If it doesn't, be cautious. Ask questions, find out, do some research. I'm not saying that God doesn't do things in new ways. I'm simply saying, let's 
be careful about making sure the Bible is where we start and where we finish. F.F. Bruce said, uh, Christians should never learn above their Bible. So my second point is this, that Peter was well versed in the scripture and he knew that from day one there had been a promise that was going to be fulfilled at some point. From day one, Genesis chapter one, verse one, two, three, four, five, six. As you work your way through the first two chapters of Genesis, you see the spirit working with the father and with the son. This is not God the Father doing his own thing. This is not Jesus the Word doing his own thing. It says the Spirit broods upon the earth and the, and the chaos. And the Spirit is working in day one. When we look at the, the story of the Old Testament, as God works through individuals, through um, Abraham and Isaac, Moses and others and then you have the nation of Israel how they that God's working through the nation what we see is that uh, as life is moving on there is a, a progression through the Old Testament things are starting to happen it's like a, a massive funnel is starting to capture what's going on and all the way through the Old Testament we have hints and we have um, appearances by the Holy Spirit so for example Samson, Deborah, uh, Jabal, Gideon. There's dozens of people who are named in the Old Testament who it says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. But it's for one activity, or it's for one reason, or it's for a very short period of time. They are empowered by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something that God the Father wants them to do. There's this hint that one day it's not going to be like that anymore. One day it's going to be forever. But right now it's just for those individuals. And then we've got lots of comments and prophecies that are pointing towards a time when the kingdom's coming. See, in the Old Testament, the coming of the kingdom was marked by two real big things. One is the Messiah, the King, the Lord's anointed one. And the other is the outpouring of the Spirit. And all through the Old Testament, the prophets are pointing and the funnel's getting narrower and narrower and narrower as they say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The kingdom is coming. There'll be the Lord's, Lord's anointed one. There'll be the son, of the son of the Father. And there'll be the outpouring of the Spirit. And it's coming one day. Now, I don't know about you, but um, Christmas is coming and I can't wait. But it's not here yet. And I've got hundreds of ideas of things that I would like to buy for my Christmas presents or other people to buy for my Christmas presents. But not yet. And as it comes towards us, I can see the time narrowing and narrowing and narrowing to that December the 25th when all my hopes and dreams will be fulfilled. Hopefully. My hopes and dreams for presents, that is. Sadly, my experience of life his socks and handkerchiefs but we can dream but the point I'm making is it's coming it's coming it's coming it's not here yet but it will be one day 
And I know it's December the 25th. But the prophets in the Old Testament didn't know at all when the kingdom was coming. So we have these uh, sorts of prophecies. I'm going to just read from Isaiah chapter 11. And we're looking at verse 14 onwards. And um, let's have a look. Here we go. Sorry, from verse 1. I beg your pardon. Chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall, shall bear fruit. There shall come forth. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. So we've got the, the, the stump of Jesse, a king, and we've got the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will judge not by his, what his eyes sees, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the rod at the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. This king is coming. He's, one day the king will be here. Not yet, one day the king. And the spirit of the Lord will be on him. Let's think of some other scriptures. Isaiah 44 verse 3. I will pour water on thirsty land and streams in the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings upon your descendants. Those who are thirsty, those who are desperate for the kingdom to come. Those people who um, are living righteously for the kingdom. One day the spirit is coming. And I'll pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. One day. And then we have that wonderful passage in Isaiah 61. Let's just look at Isaiah 61 for a moment. What a, an amazing passage. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set up the, set me, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all those who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is coming. And when he comes, he's going to do these amazing things. People are going to be set free. They're going to be healed. They're going to be delivered. People are going to be released from their poverty. People are going to be given dignity. And they're going to be given uh, strength, grace, mercy. The Spirit of the Lord is coming. And just to show, it's not just Isaiah, Ezekiel 39, 29. I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my Spirit upon the house of Israel decares the Lord God. <coughs> the Spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out on the house of Israel. And so, as we're going through this story, the funnel's getting closer and closer and smaller and smaller till we get to the point where the Messiah arrives, Jesus. Jesus is born and everything changes. The moment Jesus is born to the Virgin Mary... The moment he draws his first breath, everything has changed. 
And now we're on the other side of this funnel and it's starting to open out and every day things start to happen. It starts with Jesus picking his disciples. And then he's got his 12 and he goes to the synagogue in Luke 4. And what does it say in Luke 4? He says this, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he quotes that Isaiah 61 scripture. And then the amazing thing he says in verse 21, he says this, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom has come. It's burst upon the scenes of time, upon our history, and everything is changed forever. Mark 1, uh, in Mark 1.15, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom's here. Let's look at what it says in Matthew chapter 10. And we're looking here at verse 7. Well, let's look at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel has been looking for the kingdom to come for hundreds of years. There's been men who have been uh, raised up as, as the Messiah. They've uh, tried to overthrow the people that have been um, uh, the people who have been ruling over them. And the, the house of Israel, the people in Israel who were waiting for the kingdom. They were praying for it. They were seeking it. They were living a covenant life. They were obeying the law. They were uh, doing all the things that they ought to be doing. As a sign of the covenant that the kingdom was coming. And then Jesus says, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So these are disciples going out. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. How do we know the kingdom's coming? Because there's a sign of the Spirit of God, of things that are happening. Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, and so forth. Now, the disciples, I can imagine them going out and saying, what on earth is he talking about? How can we do this? The Spirit had not yet come in fulfilment. They were going out in Jesus' authority to do the things that Jesus had told them. In Luke 11, Jesus says this. He's um, been casting out demons, but he says this. If it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. Jesus is ushering in the new kingdom, and this Messiah dies on a cross. And then he's gloriously resurrected. Still the spirit has not been given. And then he ascends into heaven. And the promise is still there. Jesus is still saying to his disciples, wait, if you wait, you'll receive. And then we have this outpouring in Acts chapter 2. This amazing outpouring that is forever. So in the past, the heroes of the Old Testament, they had the Old Testament for a short while. And then it was gone. Here, in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Spirit is such that it's now forever. The disciples forever have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in them. And it carries on through the book of Acts. More and more people are getting baptised in the Spirit. 
more and more people are receiving the, the Holy Spirit into their lives as they receive the kingdom, as they believe in Jesus, as they receive the, the apostles' uh, teachings, they are also receiving the Spirit. You know, just read the book of Acts. Look through it, see what's happening. It's getting wider and wider and wider. The kingdom's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the signs of this kingdom is that always there's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into their lives. A mark of the kingdom is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. The kingdom is here. It didn't stop at the end of Acts. When the writers of the New Testament get to the end and it's finished, closed, the book's been written, the outpouring of the Spirit continues down the centuries and down the centuries and down the centuries until we get to where we are right now. And the question is, who's it for? Well, I think the text is really clear. Young men, old men, Young women, old women, all flesh. In fact, Peter underlines it. He says it's not just young men and old men and young men and young men. Does that, sorry, young women and old women. Does that disqualify me in some way? Well, just in case it does, Peter says all flesh. Everybody, everywhere, for all time, can now receive the Holy Spirit. So that means that in my qualification, actually, I can't do anything to disqualify myself from receiving the Holy Spirit. Peter says, all those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Once I'm in the kingdom, there's nothing that disqualifies me from receiving the Holy Spirit. Nothing at all. I'm utterly and totally qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm a child of the Father. And the promise is to those who are in relationship with the Father. There's nothing that stops me. My past can't stop me from receiving the Holy Spirit. My thought life, my habits, my attitudes. I bring them to the cross. And daily repent of what I'm supposed to be, uh, not supposed to be doing. I repent of the things I ought to be, that ought to be doing but I'm not. I bring them to Jesus and I leave them there and I'm qualified, not because of anything I can do through my good works, through anything that I can do uh, of my own volition. I'm qualified because Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven and sent the Spirit. And that's it. No other qualification do I need. Nothing else. Reading my Bible every day is not going to make me more full of the Spirit. All I need to do is ask the Father, please give me a spirit. Refresh me today. Renew me today. Will you fill me again today with your Holy Spirit? And I need it on a daily basis. Acts chapter 2 wasn't a one-off experience for the 12 disciples and the 120 that were there. It was a day-to-day -day renewing experience that they lived their lives, living uh, in a way which... Every day they come to the Father, please give me your spirit. It must have been really exciting. Seeing the dead being raised, raised to life, seeing the sick people healed, all those things. And the beauty of it is that 2,000 years on, 
we are still seeing miracles happening, things happening, the Holy Spirit at work in the world, doing his work, doing his thing. And we can be part of that. The only thing that will disqualify me from receiving the Spirit is not asking. The only thing that will stop me from being qualified to receive the Spirit is by deliberately not wanting to be part of it. I'm a child of the King. I'm in the Kingdom and a sign of the Kingdom is I can receive and operate and live and work with the Holy Spirit. That's fantastic. That's really exciting. And finally, it says that we're going to be able to prophesy. That's speaking on behalf of the Father. Or we can have visions that seeing things in the way that the Father sees things. We can have dreams. We can see the world in the way that the Father wants to see the world, how he wants it changing. We are to be a prophetic people. We're to be people who act and speak on behalf of the Father, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. I don't need to dress it up as, thus saith the Lord. I need to be real about what I'm doing. But actually, every act of grace and mercy that you do as you help your friends is a prophetic act speaking out the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be part of the kingdom? What's it like? Who's the king? Well, every time we show grace, every time we show mercy or kindness or patience or long-suffering. In other words, every time we produce fruit of the Spirit, we are showing what the kingdom is like. Every time we help somebody in need, every time we speak to somebody about uh, their life, every time we, we, um, every time we step out and tell somebody about the love of the Father, we're working within the kingdom. We're showing what the kingdom is like. It's a place where everybody's welcome, regardless of age or gender or wealth or race or any other way in which society wants to uh, divide us. The kingdom is for everybody and the Holy Spirit is for everybody. It's a place where people are healed physically and emotionally and spiritually. It's a place where every person has a direct relationship with the Father. It's a place where fear and hatred and other forms of division and bitterness are banished forever. It's the place where the direct rule of the Father is seen on a day-to-day -day basis. The kingdom is here and because the kingdom's here I expect and I want and I desire and I urgently expect and I'm, I'm kind of desperate for that life in the spirit every day because the kingdom's here I can receive the spirit on a day-to-day -day basis and we're going to return to worship in a moment and as we're doing that why don't you Start to ask the Father to fill you again with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom's come in your life. It's available to you. You are qualified. The only way you can disqualify yourself is, not, is by not asking. And right now, wherever you are, sitting, standing, walking, whatever you're doing, washing up, sitting down, having a coffee, why don't you 
Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. Perhaps you're with some friends. Why don't you, with all the COVID guidance that you should be aware of, why don't you pray for each other to receive the Spirit again? The promise is for you, for your children and your children's children. This experience of God is that which the prophet Joel had already prophesied. This is what it's going to be like. Let's make it our daily experience to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. To make sure our experience lines up with what the Bible says. And if it's not, then go and ask God to uh, give you that experience of the Holy Spirit. There are things in the Bible I want to see happen, I've never seen happen. Let's pray, God would you bring those into our times right now. Thanks for listening. If you've got any questions about anything I've said, please could you email us at pastoral at kingscc.org and we'll happily ask you, uh, answer your questions. If you want us to pray for you again, just email us at the same address, pastoral at kingscc.org and we'll pray for you. Thanks very much. Now let's go and spend some time worshipping this Jesus who we love, this King who's brought the kingdom and released the Spirit into our lives. Amen. Amen.